on? What is up? My name is Kevin Wu and I'm an online fitness coach who helps men in their 20s lose weight and get asked for the first time through mindset, nutrition, and training. That's enough about me. Let's get right into today's episode. Hey, what's going on? Welcome back to the Live to Inspire podcast. Today is Monday, actually, but I jump on a Zoom call every single week with my clients to discuss a couple topics. So this week, we're talking about how to correctly, correctively progressive overload your work on how often should you switch up weights. Long-term design of a program is better to focus on a couple areas and switch it up or hit all areas consistently. Best low-fat, high-protein foods. Weight loss plateau and how to overcome them. Awesome managing injuries slash setbacks as everybody gets them. And general motivation slash dis- discipline tips. I can't even talk today, but let's dive in. Let's go. Number one is going to be how to correctively progressive overload your workout and how often to switch up your weights. So progressive overload is something that's absolutely necessary if you guys want to grow more muscle and see those changes in your body. Now, progressive overload is also something that people kind of I struggle with or know, know exactly where to kind of go with. So let's dive into that one. So basically with any kind of program, you're going to see the exercise, also like the amount of sets, maybe it's two sets or three sets, four sets, and like a rep range. So maybe it's 12 to 15, maybe it's six to eight, maybe it's five reps, right? Now, basically you want to start off the baseline weight. Let's just say you had a set rep range of 10 to 12 reps, right? Three sets, 10 to 12, very common, right? So basically picking that weight itself, that's going to be kind of the first step. When you start a new exercise, you pick a weight. You don't, you probably won't know exactly what weight to use because it's a brand new exercise, right? Now, when you first do start the weight, let's just say it was a barbell bench press. And I'm like, okay, I have absolutely no idea what weight to use. So always better to start lighter, by the way, because, you know, if you go too heavy, well, guess what? You're stuck on the bench press on Monday and it's International Chess Day. I uh, don't want to do that. All right. So basically, I'll start off lighter end. Maybe I'm going with 135 pounds. That is a lot of weight uh, that I will not be able to use when I first started lifting. It took me a long time there to get one plate on the bench. But that being said, let's just say you start off with one plate over there and you're okay. You got like, it was really light. You got like 15 reps, right? Itself and you felt like you kept going. Okay, well, it's past the rep range I have, 10 to 12. So now maybe I'm going to go to like 145 pounds, right? Maybe this set itself, I'm really pushing it. And I just got like 10 reps, right? So then you're really pushing it though. That's the key part. It's like you're really pushing it in that aspect. I wouldn't bump up those weights and right? You hit the bottom and the rep range. Now you're going to stick with that 145 pounds that you basically used uh, for your first working set, right? That previous one, 135 pounds did not count towards your three sets of 10 to 12 because we only count the working sets. Very key one point to as well when making progress. But now let's just say, the second set, you got another, let's say, 11 reps. Third set, you got 10 reps. Okay, well, you definitely wouldn't go up and wait over there. But now next time you go in the gym, you know what, what you did last time to the track and those workouts. For example, this is the 145 pounds, right? But now let's say you got the 12 reps itself. And you're like, okay, I was really pushing it. Maybe I could have got another rep. You could bump up the weight then, right? So now you're 145. Now you're 150 pounds itself. And you're probably maybe going to get like 10 reps now. And that's what you keep kind of going to. Basically, every time you kind of cap out at the end of the rep range itself with that weight, you go bump that weight up. Maybe it's 5 pounds, maybe it's 10 pounds itself, or 2.5. Even, let's just say, if it was with like a lateral raise, because lateral raises are hard, it all depends on the exercise. But every time you basically hit that end of the rep range, you want to go try for a little heavier weight 
uh, assuming that your form was okay too as well. Because you guys are just butchering that form itself and just really doing whatever we can to lift that weight. Maybe you should stick with that weight itself, right? So that's a little caveat to that progressive rollover. So with that being said, it's pretty kind of simple in that aspect. I've just that reps. Um, also the with the basically the weight wise, I want to kind of switch up those weights over there. But the goal should always be to do like one more rep in last time itself. So in my mind, basically every time I personally work out is I have my numbers staring me in the face basically for my last workout log. So after no warm sets, I'm like, okay, like for example, today, hold my workout log over here. I did my first exercise, which was a chest incline, Smith Street chest press. And then last time I had my first set with 105 pounds itself and I got nine reps like previously. So I'm in my head, I'm aiming for for 10 reps, just that one more rep itself. I actually matched the premise exactly itself, 105 for nine. I actually am getting weaker now as I cut more and more into my bottoming show, which is very normal. As I get more of that shredded kind of stage and more lower energies for you guys, it should be not a problem itself because you guys are not getting that low body fat and it should not affect as much and my sleep is definitely getting more affected, right? I tend to pee a lot more in the middle of the night. It's fairly normal, especially when I get to this low body fat percentage. But uh, you guys would not have to worry about that. But basically, always aim for a number in your head. That's at least like, you know, like one more rep. So let's just say last time you got on 11 reps, you're aiming for 12 in your head, right? Because that mental aspect is actually, it makes a big deal, right? If you guys, let's just say, kind of freely do that exercise itself, and then you don't really have a goal, chances are you're probably going to stop like exact same kind of reps you did last time. It's just kind of how our minds kind of works. But we actually have that goal in your mind, you know, of like, okay, I'm going to aim for that 10 reps which, or like 11 reps, which is one more than last time. It, you make yourself push that much harder and you actually have something to strive towards, right? It's like kind of drive around kind of freely versus let's just say you're in a new city and you're putting Google Maps on a destination. Now you actually have like a goal and target to go towards, right? So it's that, that kind of little concept. And that's personally kind of helped me out a lot over there, right? And now when you get to that, let's say end of that reps, um, you hit the 11 or something like that and you have right there, you could definitely go for more. Like if you're, let's just say you have some more in the tank over there, you can absolutely go for more reps, right? But just having the number in your head, first of all, it's going to give you some more clarity and make you that much more likely to hit it, right? So that's what I highly, highly recommend over there. So hopefully that covers that uh, first question about progressive overload. If you guys have any questions on that one, just shoot it down in the chat. Also, welcome Kurt over here. I don't think I've ever seen you on this as well. And also Sean, welcome back, Sean. Pleasure to have you back. All right, so next topic we're going to talk about is going to be basically a long-term design of a workup program. Is it better to focus on a few areas for a while and switch it up or try to hit all areas consistently uh, to avoid creating joint imbalances as muscles kind of get stronger? All right, so the long one itself. I literally just copy-paste exact word for word and the check-ins and just kind of slap it on here. So as far as kind of uh, the question waiver, and everybody's got a question waiver when they kind of side on, uh, ask basically what body parts do you want to focus on itself and sometimes they get the answer of everything right but now we focus on everything you don't really focus on anything right and now how you kind of programs work to as well is usually fresh off the bat off your program itself those going to be the exercise that you're going to get the most out of right so for most people itself they actually put down a few of them like for me for example it's chest and back but it's actually probably most common i would say chest and shoulders i would say the two most common that i, I kind of get itself of will uh, come down to that question is 
you want to focus or you can't only focus on like one or two specific body parts like specifically more so right actually giving more of that energy towards there itself so that's what i kind of focus on when i kind of ask that question right and you're gonna notice that those body parts themselves that you do list are gonna be pretty much first thing in the workouts or maybe even like a separate day or maybe even paired up with the leg day itself that you don't really kind of care as much about right so with that being said let's just say your focus was on the chest so you probably just notice like on the upper body days like or the other days your push days your chest are going to be the first exercise of your kind of workout self because that's because you have the most amount of energy push the most amount of weight and that's when you're going to be able to focus on more right so remember focus on everything we can't really focus on we're not really focusing on anything so on that kind of regards i know everybody kind of wants to grow more overall and that kind of aspect like who doesn't but we really have to kind of look at the logistics of it right we can't just do every single body part as the first exercise there's only one really body part we can do for you know the given day itself as starting off all right so with that being said this kind of approach i usually do for like six to ten weeks unless let's just say you still want to work on the body part and really bring it up itself which most people kind of do itself in six to ten weeks not really that much time to really bring up body part to a certain person's liking that aspect like i've been trying to really bring up my chest for a good good long period of time itself and so we've really been focusing on my back and muscles do take quite a while to grow and just getting into my specific liking uh that's more of like a year's kind of thing but like in terms of exercise worker programs basically switch from like six to ten weeks itself um it's not really great to switch out workouts every single week in that aspect because you guys are not be able to a master the exercise b build a muscle connection with it and three also have like your previous kind of logs from that so what i'm mean by logs is when you guys do track your workouts you know exactly what numbers you did last time for exact exercise let's say it was a barrel curl or something like that's right and i switch it up to a dumbbell curl right those are two different exercises working the same muscle groups one of them you have the information with how many reps you did last time right maybe it was like 60 pounds on the barbells for 12 reps and then you switch it to a dumbbell this week and you get i don't know like 20 pounds for 11 reps and you can't really tell if you're progressively overloading because they're two different exercises. For instance, if you're just stuck with, let's say, the barbell curls for the six weeks itself, and you went up to, I don't know, 80 pounds in that six weeks, in that time period, you know for sure you're progressively overloading, and your biceps will grow because of that. Hopefully it does make sense over there in that aspect. And also building the mind-muscle connection itself on exercise. Each exercise is slightly different to building a mind-muscle connection, right? And that is something that I actually personally incorporate a lot into my clients but also my training is some exercise i feel them a lot more and some i struggle to and those exercises I do feel them a lot more i continuously do them even if it's for like years on and itself uh just because i do get a good mind muscle connection i really feel that muscle connected with it and that kind of aspect so like those ones itself i do incorporate for extended even long period of time and that kind of aspect now with that being said especially like for me, for example, I'm trying to focus on my chest and back itself. And then um, you could basically switch that out after a couple months if you're kind of happy with how it looks. If you're like, I don't know, shoulders and arms on those two muscle groups itself. And then maybe a couple months later, you're like, okay, maybe I want to bring up my legs, my, I don't know, my hamstrings and my quads itself. You really kind of focus on there. And it can be beneficial or basically breaking the plateaus to as well, printing kind of warm if you want to go down that route. All right. Now, as far as basically hitting your muscle groups kind of go, I'd, minim I'd minimum do basically one day a week. So even if, let's say, 
I remember having a new client itself. He it has bigger legs and is like, I think they lost cycling. I would minimally train them once a week over there, right? To maintain those kind of muscles in that aspect. For even for me, for example, my personal coach right now, he cut down my leg training to once a week because I'm going to my show and I have big enough legs. Like I don't even show them for my men's physique because I wear board shorts and it's going to give my body extra time to recover aspect on that aspect and give more energy to actually focus on my upper body, right? And just back on my two focuses on that aspect. So if anybody has questions on that one, they can let me know over there about the kind of programming in that aspect. I personally find it very interesting when I really kind of learned all that stuff over the years and I'm like, okay, now things are clicking because everything on your program is designed specifically or the reps or the sets or kind of the exercise over there for a reason, right? Because I remember one of my other more newer clients as well, he was kind of um, having his questions. He was like, why do I have a formal bench press on you know, a flat dumbbell bench press and also a close grip bench press itself, right? Like, well, I, don't, I don't get this, right? And basically I told him, you know, the flat double bench press is going to emphasize more of your chest and the close grip is going to emphasize your triceps, right? And I was usually, oh, okay. But he was super confused. He's like, why would he do this? And was, I'm like, but yeah, everything is there for a reason. All right. This one, I'm just going to copy paste it down the chat. Most guys probably know this one itself. It is best low fat, high protein foods. So these are just some of them over there on that kind of aspect. And also I will... Everybody pretty much has this chart on the team. I think I've like, what is it the photo aspect of it? Make it look more clean. All right. So where'd it go? All right. Basically call it a macro cheat sheet. That's what I kind of call it. And basically, oh, there it is. Awesome. Okay. Let's see if I can draw it in the chat too as well. Macro cheat sheet. I don't chat box. Okay, apparently I can't drop it. Okay, yeah, no, I can't drop it. All right, so everybody has this pretty much on the meal plan section, though. It's basically uh, the proteins, carbs, and fats, like what is those kind of foods itself, basically, the meal plan. I dropped the same thing as basically a macro cheat sheet. It has basically all the things listed and a couple more itself, like turkey bacon, bison, shrimp itself, or that kind of aspect. Now, one of the problems itself, which I say, I'm going to say when it comes to eating out, is a lot of the foods give me a lot more higher fats, macro regards, and generally lower protein, especially when I was in Bali and traveling over there. Like all the portion sizes or protein were super, super small, but they have like jacked up the rice portions, everything like that. Now I definitely ordered like more, like double the protein. I was like, whatever it was, but I would look for the exact same things as you see on the list. I commented down over here, right? Uh, basically when I look at the menu, they'd need like other options, you know, they'd be like bacon, there'd be uh pork belly. There'd be like, I don't know, like salmon or there'd be some other steaks or something like that, right? So there'd be a lot of different kind of options, but I know because I, you know, knew this options for a long time. And if you're not familiar with them, you can basically refer back to the list or meal plan section and be like, okay, what on this list does matchups over there, right? Oh, okay. I see on the menu it has chicken breast, right, which is very common. I was like, okay, I'm going to order the chicken breast, right? So I can make sure that I am not going to blow my calorie budget, get the most amount of protein in itself. Like I asked, because you guys do have to realize if it's also high fat, 
it's generally lower protein, right? So like pork belly, for example, right? It's very, very high fat. And like if it's not, it wouldn't count as protein source, right? But some people would just because they do not really know it. Like sausage, that's not a protein source. That's a fat source, right? If you guys see that on like ordering out and I hear it all the time, like, you know, people on my calls, like, yeah, I eat a lot of protein, right? I have my pepperoni pizza. I'm like, no, that's not, that's not a protein source, buddy. So people kind of misconsume or miss, they don't recognize what is actually like a protein source over there. And it is a big problem, right? Cause I know in North America, that is a big thing over there. Basically an average American diet is low protein, high in carbs, high in fats. And that's basically very opposite and why a lot of people are obese, right? And that kind of aspect is because of the average diet. And if you look at somewhere in like even Japan, some are watching this little like small documentary from like yesterday. I don't know if you guys heard it on YouTube, basically went to Japan and then it was like the longest last, like people were living over hundred years old, very common there. It's like a blue zone too as well, but the common things you'd kind of see there, like even 7-Eleven or stuff like that. So when I person went to Japan, their 7-Eleven's way different. I love it more. They have like actually like nice healthy meals, like a little bit of rice, and then like, like eggs and like chicken breasts and just like, it was like a lot cleaner, right? And like no oils, but even went to like McDonald's there, like there are burgers and everything like dripping with oil, lots of sauces. Their burger looked pretty like, uh, like stale, not gonna lie. It was just like, it looked, there was like no oils, no nothing on it. And it wasn't dripping at all. Even their fries they had like no oils at all. Pretty much it was like, like, you know how you pick a fries over here and you feel the oily hands, pick a fry over there. It was like, it's clean. Like you didn't feel any of that. So it's pretty different in the aspect one in Japan, which is pretty cool, which is like the average foods and everything like that it was a lot cleaner and you, you didn't feel bad after eating it. Cause I know a lot of times if you eat like McDonald's here or something like that, like a Costco pizza or something like that, you feel bad after, but like even over there, it's like, you, you feel great still. It's like you, like, you know, you eat something healthy and you feel good. Like that was exactly how you felt even after eating like a fast food over there in Japan, which is pretty cool. All right. So that was pretty much that kind of topic over there weight loss plateaus and how to overcome them. Now, this is a very, uh, obviously popular kind of topic because pretty much everybody's going to hit a plateau at some point. And I'm going to explain actually kind of the reason, biggest reason why you do kind of usually hit a plateau, even though you're doing the same thing for, let's just say out of your dieting on 2000 calories and you're doing like sound on like 20 minutes of cardio, like every single day, and all of a sudden you just don't lose weight, right? And you're like, why, why the hell am I not losing weight? So. This is usually why now, after you lose some weight itself, let's say you were 230 pounds before, and now you are 30 pounds later, so 200 pounds now, when you're walking before you were burning more calories, just because you're 230 pounds, you're heavier, but now you're 30 pounds lighter. So that if you're carrying less mass, you're going to burn less calories just from you walking. So that's number one, uh, two, your body's going to adapt to the metabolism in terms of like how much you're eating itself over time. Right, because it's more of a survival mechanism. Back in the day, you know, like as Stone Ages itself, it wasn't good to have a fast metabolism because because you know you're trying to hunt for your food over there itself. But like now, it's so readily convenient with the calories, and but it still kind of um, survived with us that survival kind of instinct and just kind of adapting metabolism, right? Which is why um, at one point when I was bulking up, I was eating five thousand calories a day, and I literally could not gain any weight itself. I had to bump it up even more, and it was really frustrating, right? So it's adaptive kind of mechanism. Your body adapts over time. Now, with that being said, you're also pretty much, um, burning less calories when you do basically that same amount of cardio, let's say six months ago, you're doing incline treadmill, 
uh, incline 10, speed 2.5 miles per hour, and now you're 30 pounds lighter itself, you'll burn less, uh, but one, because you are weighing less, but two, also because your heart rate's not gonna be as high, right? So when you first did cardio, maybe your heart rate's like, I don't know, like 150 beats per minute or something like that, because you never really done any, because it's like super stressful, but now over time, your heart's getting more efficient, right? So you're maybe, your heart rate's at like 110, beats per minute as you're doing the same speed, same incline. And just because of that, the adaptation, you're burning less calories. So that, that calorie amount you see on the actual treadmill, if you guys ever looked at it or Stairmaster, it's not accurate, right? Because your heart is different and your amount of uh, calories you burn is different as well because of your body. Now, hopefully that makes sense over there. Now, what you can do to kind of overcome them, there's a couple things you can do. You can actually decrease or increase your calorie intake there's two scenarios. Most of the time it's going to be decrease itself. Um, if you guys have been dying for like, I don't know, six plus months in a deficit, I actually might increase your calories depending on the person itself because maybe their metabolism kind of adapted too much. And we have to basically jump it up itself by increasing calories for a good amount of time. And then we could slowly chop it back down. Just a couple of clients I'm basically doing them right now itself is just help really help boost up your metabolism itself. I then kind of jumpstart that back up. And then drop it back down kind of later on. Yes, it takes a little bit of longer time to achieve that end goal, but it's necessary if you, unless you want to do starve yourself. Now, decreasing your calories is probably going to be most people itself, uh, just based on that kind of aspect. Now, there's only really a cap how many calories you could decrease itself and how many I'm really kind of going, going towards. I think the lowest I ever put somebody on for calories wise was 1450. I never, ever, ever really go beyond or below that by itself. Maybe. I like have like a female was like 110 pounds. I went below that itself, but like as a male, absolutely not. That's like, no, but even like, yeah. All right. So two is reevaluating your calorie intake. So now that you basically are lighter and also have like a little different body composition, more muscle, uh, it's going to basically like, you know, those macro calculators online, basically have to re-enter your stats. You're going to have a new kind of metabolism, quote unquote, uh, itself. If you ever did do those macro calculators online, and your body weight, your body percentage, your activity levels, your lifestyle is going to be different and your whole body is going to be different itself in terms of the amount of calories you burn now that's, let's say, six months later, you're 30 pounds kind of down. So you have to reevaluate that calorie intake. But the best bet is basically where you were before and what you kind of did, right? Because those calculators, they're not 100% accurate. They kind of give like a general kind of guideline and starting points. But all of you guys itself have a specific kind of starting point itself or a specific kind of number. And that aspect that you have been using and we have that metric itself and some things we could kind of actually take away from calories or increase or actually some stats I could look at to kind of help break that plateau, right? And now I do want to mention too as well, sleep is actually really important. Now, this can help regulate your hormones and improve overall health and also basically kind of keep that stress low because sometimes when our stress levels are too kind of elevate itself and I've seen this from a handful of people, once to kind of let's say go on patient or kind of get over that stress period of time, their weight just all of a sudden drops and drops and drops, even though they've been plateaued for like a whole month or something like that, or a month and a half. That's pretty cool to kind of see, just see their whole body kind of transforming and hormones are a whole nother topic and they're very, very cool, right? But sleeping definitely gonna help, especially with the ghrelin levels. Guys are struggling with hunger. That aspect, ghrelin levels are something that your sleep is regulated highly by, right? I haven't been getting, getting the best sleep, I've been taking more naps itself, and that's kind of been helping over there. Now, it's very normal for me to uh, have poor, poor sleep as I get down to a certain level of body fat 
itself. It just happened to me every single time in the past. And yeah, no, I could definitely kind of feel it now, but it is something I chose to do for the show with itself. And I know it's not healthy and that kind of aspect. And there's like a certain body fat percentage that my body personally likes where it's like, I'm eating up food, feeling great. And I don't have to sacrifice um, itself. It's like a fine line of like that's like um, looks wise too as well. All right. So that being said, number next one is be increasing your daily steps. This is going to be actually a really, really huge one. Like this is personally something that I have been doing more and more now itself. Right. So a lot of times when people kind of go into a dieting base, they actually tend to move less, right? Cause their body's trying to compensate in that aspect. It's like, okay, I am eating less calories. So I got to save my energy, right? So your body's naturally going to fidget less or let's say uh, move less itself. Maybe you take the garbage out every other day itself or I don't know, every third day or something like that. But now you wait until like two weeks, something like that. Just those small little things where it's like, okay, uh, your body's like, I don't really want to make them, gonna, you know, maybe throw my paper cross out, try to aim the trash, but before you're, you know, just walking towards it, small things like even like that are very common when you do diet for a long period of time and just being, having that step goal is going to make sure and adhere and make sure you could at least have like a minimum kind of activity level and use that diet and also like the cardio wise to make sure we're creating this deficit. If that makes sense. That's why I'm really big on step goals itself on that aspect, or even let's say reversing out of a cut base into a bulky one, because I don't want to put on too much fat itself. Is having that kind of step goal itself to make sure I'm moving enough. And I'm not doing that. Also, progress photos and weights. Because sometimes when you plateau, like you can actually still be losing fat and gaining muscle at the same time, but your scale won't show that. And actually, when applying itself, his name's like Sky Canada. He's not here, but he looks way different itself. And like the four weeks, it's crazy difference. Probably like a couple percent body fat. On he's like 52, uh, but his scale shows a body fat percentage. And that hasn't changed, but those ones, the body fat percentage on scales, if you buy them, extremely inaccurate. Like I personally had three of them so far, two of them because I got sponsored by the scale company itself. And then one of them before when I was actually, when I did my last show, the scale said I was like 17% body fat itself when I was stage ready, which is obviously not 70%, 17%. And then the other scale previously. My very first show, I had another one too as well and sells 20% body fat. So those ones are like really, really inaccurate in that aspect. So I definitely wouldn't rely on that aspect. I would just use a weight number on there. All right. So with that being said, progress photos are something I apps recommend for everybody. And actually like what pretty much a year ago itself, I got back from my very long trip. I was traveling around the world. I did like 16 countries in the last year uh, before that. And I pretty much weed was a chump four pounds heavier than I am right now, but I look like absolute shit, right? That was like the worst physique I pretty much had. Like this kind of came out of like a parasite too as well. I had gotten bally and that kind of killed my gut and just, yeah, killed my physique. But if I just focus on the scale side of things, I'd be like, oh my God, I haven't made any progress, right? All right. That being said, last one is going to be managing injuries and setbacks, just general motivation and discipline tips. All right. So that being said, if anybody has any questions, feel free to drop it in the chat or just unmute themselves. I'd be happy to help out. All right, let's go with magic injuries slash setbacks first. Always basically work on your other body parts in the meantime, right? Because we have a lot of other muscle groups we can work out. You know, calves or biceps or shoulders or chest or back, you know, or legs, something, right? Like I know Mark, I know he's not here over here, but he injured his forearm on his left side, 
right? So we've been focusing on just his lower body, right? He's just doing all his lower body exercise. And that's what we could do in the meantime, right? Setbacks, everybody experiences, right? Like I was kind of mentioning earlier, I had the parasites in the body itself. I got a parasitic infection. And actually, uh, actually when I went to the doctor, they said if I didn't go within a couple of days of like when I got checked out itself, like I think it was like two more days, I would have died. Like that's how bad the parasite was. Uh, so I'm glad I got checked on that day because it was a terrible one. Um, but basically, at that period of time, too, well, like I could not lift like anything. I remember going to the gym itself, and I'd feel super lightheaded, but also like wanting to throw up, and just like I was definitely really, really, really weak over there. So I'm gonna call it setback too as well, because I couldn't really work out very much, or very hard too as well, and have to use the washroom and have really bad diarrhea um, all the time, and like could not sleep basically every 20 minutes. I was debating and sleep on the toilet. It hurt so much too as well. Um, it was a really bad parasitic infection. I do not want to go back to Bali after that. Um, but yeah, so that was a big setback itself in that aspect. And I definitely felt like I shrank and lost uh, some muscle in regards to there. But with that, I'm going to call it a setback once again. Because I went to the hospital. I got a lot of meds too as well. And um, when I came back from the long trip, I literally had like, I was like the worst I ever looked in my life in terms of the body composition standpoint. And I was, I felt terrible right i was gone for pretty much the last year but like especially the last like couple weeks and with that parasitic infection that's when i really killed my physique over there now uh with that being said i'm gonna call that say a whole year setback in terms of, like progress wise i didn't pretty much but i mean i kind of felt like a little demotivated and, like shit like i the worst I ever looked and it's pretty much exactly like almost one year ago from now but that point i was like okay well I was looking back at the old photos of like, you know, when I was the best shape, like in the competition shape, I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to get not exactly competition shape, but you know, get back to a closer shape to that than what I was. And I was just like, okay, first thing, you know, was just, you know, start over again in terms of like workout wise, feeling myself with actual proper food now and the consistent kind of food. So I was traveling all the time. I was, I didn't have a place to cook all the time. I was very consistent with like protein powder, brought that oatmeal. And the meals itself are just kind of stock of like on the food list I showed you. A lot of double down the chicken or eating out fast foods. Or even when I was in Colombia or Australia, other places, Europe, I was just getting rotisserie chicken and eating that pretty much just like one whole rotisserie chicken a day to really get down the protein intake. Uh, besides that, when I got back in the groove, and then like that was like the actions or like the things you do day to day are what causes results, right? And I took those progress photos. Cause I knew I was like, okay, this is my starting point. Even though I didn't want to look at them or take them. Cause I felt like really shit. I'm like, okay, I'm going to change this. And I'm also going to show people that, you know, like the changes I'm going to make. Right. Because I did not want to upload them at all in that aspect, but I was holding myself accountable. Right. But with that being said itself, I knew that if I got myself before to a, you know, accomplished shredded really good shape before I could do it again, obviously. Right now with that being said, uh, one of the biggest things I would say that kept me, I guess, disciplined or motivated towards that was just looking back at the photos when I was in that shape itself and just like feeling how good I felt, right? Because sometimes when you're so far away from that, or let's say you kind of fell off, it's like, you kind of feel almost like down on yourself when you have to look back and like how good that I feel then. And you did it before. So you have that confidence to do it again. It could kind of help bring you back along. Cause I remember it was like. I don't, I don't know who said it, but I was like, even if you have those thoughts, when you think about something itself and you feel it, it's like almost as if it were happening to you, but vice versa goes the same. So if you 
thought about let's say i was something bad like you got into like a car crash and then you you know you injured yourself you literally thought about it and you felt those emotions it would feel like if you actually went through them so you don't want to do that the visualization of you know because i personally do this on the daily as of right now to really get myself in the gear for my show is i visualize myself getting on my stage and winning my first place and overall so winning the whole show i visualize like me getting my name called out but also holding that award and it, i could feel like like it feels good like that dopamine hit over there and i'm visualizing that yes it didn't happen yet but like it's it you feel those feelings and that's something you can use to your advantage can help motivate you and help you stay disciplined even if you guys are not kind of there and that kind of aspect that's it's a really powerful thing that we do have right because everything we built around us or everything you kind of see around us is all built off visualization too right it's like i don't know this laptop i'm on the wonder bottle this iphone over here like nobody really you know had these before they had to visualize it first and that's ultimately how everything came to be right even this podcast mike all right so let's go with a little more discipline kind of motivation tips stuff accountability partner can help out like i remember i had oh no he dropped out uh, i was gonna say i had basically a workout partner when i first kind of started working out and really kind of kicking things in gear and he dropped off after three weeks and i kept going still and uh yeah but basically having accountability partner or like you know someone there like for, like me you guys have me as your coach self you know hold you accountable can be great motivation and i personally hired a lot of coaches self uh just because i respect them a lot and i didn't want to disappoint them to be honest because i really respected them I'm like okay well i really have the in McLaren Park just to really give it like 110% because I was like, you know, I was like idolizing them or like, you know, I was almost afraid. I was like, shit, to like if I don't meet their standards. So I was always kind of using that as like a factor to push even harder to as well because they're very well-respected in the industry. And I was just like, okay, well, I'm putting my fucking line out there, you know? Uh, so that kind of personally helped me out. Uh, two, scheduling your workouts, right? So when you actually have things scheduled out, and treating like appointments themselves, like how you treat work, how you treat doctor's appointment can definitely help you stay committed in that aspect, especially in the short term, because if you guys don't have that routine down yet, and it's not natural, actually scheduling them in and treating them like that can actually help you out until you make it part of your daily routine. Like that was a big thing for me when I was having my, uh, I would say accountability partner or worker partner that dropped out, me and him would schedule the workouts before school itself. It was like 6 a.m. It'd be like, I don't remember what days it was now. So long ago. But it was, I think it was like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I don't know. But like, it'd be a scheduled out 6 a.m. at this time and we meet there, right? So it was always scheduled like that in that aspect. And I just traded like appointments. Always showed up, right? And last one, this can actually help us. Some people I noticed it's all is like almost like a reward kind of system. I thought it's almost like, let's say like a dog. Like, you know, you do something and you're rewarding with something like that and be more likely to do the trick again. But you're kind of using that same kind of effect in yourself. If you guys, let's say, reward yourself when you achieve a goal, like getting a massage or like a new workout outfits or something like that, I wouldn't use food too much as like a reward itself because it creates like a bad kind of uh, dynamic or bad relationship with food. But it's just like ex I don't know, external things, like I don't know, even like a trip to somewhere, a little vacation or something like that can definitely kind of help you out. Um, it's like, okay, well, I hit all my workouts for the month, like I said, I'm going to go get myself, let's say, a new workout outfit, right? That could be something cool. Or I hit all my workouts for the week itself. Okay, I'm going to get like a little massage, right? So it all depends kind of where you are to as well. Like for myself, for example, um, those workouts are nothing, right? If I, let's say, my reward system probably more towards the show um, in that kind of regards. 
over there. It's like maybe if I could set a reward system up, it's like, you know, when I have to do my show, it's probably going to be food because I'm restricting myself so much. <laughs> and I'm just talking about through bad relationship with food, though. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, I'd, I'd probably do it with the food because that's all I think about over here. <laughs> but I could do, like, let's say, a vacation to like Las Vegas, which I might kind of do too as well. After my two shows are done, I'm kind of planning on that one and not kind of food related, just like just go on and kind of see shit uh, over there. All right. So that is it for basically the topics of the live over here. I'm going to go stop. Thank you guys for tuning into the Live to Inspire podcast, the number one podcast for men in the 20s trying to lose weight and get abs for the first time. My mission is to inspire others to be the best version of themselves through fitness. So if you guys are tuning into this episode and want to lose weight and get your abs showing for the very first time, then DM me the words abs on Instagram at Kevin Wu underscore. That is K-E-V-I-N-W-U-W underscore. And we'll have a chat whether or not I can help you out lose that weight to get your abs showing for the first time. That is the ending of today's episode of the Live to Inspire podcast. If you learned something today, then make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss out on an episode. Also, if you leave a written review on this podcast, that'd be greatly appreciated because that pushes this podcast to more people just like you.